Previously on The Pogues. Communist. <laughs> Mr. Corbyn, you represent a threat to our Western ideals. Heroin. He's haunted and he's dancing around with all this Turkish music in his brain. Wow. One of them has died, presumably. How fast can they play the banjo? The Pogues. You bet. Why sodomy specifically? Who knows? <laughs> Pirates full of malarkey. It's not even funny, you're just complaining. He stole from the rich and he gave to the poor. Lou Reed. Filth as in just l grime and dirt. Filth as in the police, right? <laughs> the story of an imaginary horse that goes on to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup. It's raw and raucous. He is clearly advocating decking Nazis. <laughs> Obviously Irish nationalist and anti-British sentiment. There were six men in Birmingham, in Guildford there's four, that were picked up and tortured by the law. And the filth got promotion, but they're still doing time for being Irish in the wrong place and at the wrong time. Winston Churchill, so uh, again, the problematic of the Pogues, I'd say. Uh, on I the mayonnaise all over myself. Fuck. Mixed together with more whiskey. <laughs> Bops, babes, booze and bother. And to Big Jim Dwyer, the man of Swearing's the man of wire. Oh wow, the Pogues. Yeah, only 80 people have ever listened to Real Politic, and all of them went and formed their own podcast. Norwich City is a Tory football club. He's out like a light. The band come in. Diddle, diddle, diddle. It's the Pogues. And the last thing they wanted was people like McGann educating the public about the Birmingham Six. Oh, you know, when you get to my age, your back starts hurting. Chumbawamba. <laughs> I, I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, the Pogues, and God is in his heaven, and Billy's down by the bay. You might want to hear the Pogues. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. in the you know, I, ascendancy I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said to that we were all right, to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, national without compensation as a hard left wing position. Hard sort of left the hard left to the hard left. And the hard left the hard left the hard left hard left hard left the hard left. The hard hard left hard left hard left the hard left hard left the hard left hard left hard left the 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 hard left Oh, let's move on to the late period Pogues albums. Peace and Love. I am warning you, with peace and love, don't send me any fan mail. Now, here I've got a confession to make. I don't yeah. know if I've actually ever listened to this album. <laughs> and I, I forgot to do my due diligence for this, this and listen to the three late period Pogues albums. <laughs> yeah, sorry, me neither. Oh, fuck, sorry, there's four. <laughs> okay, I think, so right, I think I probably have heard this one at some point. 
there's some song titles I recognise on it, but no, I've certainly not given this the kind of... Proper amount of attention. No, I, I can't come out with the kind of dazzling insights I had about their previous albums, really. <laughs> still, though, their singer at this point was still Shane McGowan, and um, he was still writing a fair amount of original songs. Uh, yeah, like, pr- probably worth a listen, if we must. I don't know if any of them are particularly political. Uh, the album carried a dedication to the memory of the 95 people who died at Hillsborough Football Ground. The reason for this apparent anomaly is that at the time... It, this is an apparent anomaly because, you know, the campaign is justice for the 96. Um, uh. The reason is that at the time of the album's release, the disaster's eventual 96th victim, Tony Bland, was still being kept alive on life support. So right. he, he eventually died on the 3rd of March 1993. Uh, so they, they obviously still did have kind of political interests at this point. Uh, that's their, their album, Peace and Love. Uh, oh, you know what? They did another album with Shane McGowan. This features a song in it that I always really loved. Um, me and Yair lived together uh, in the second year. Me and our friend Jock, who also played guitar, used to play this song quite a lot. It's a, and it's the first song on the album, because the Pogues never uh, forgot to open an album with a killer song, or at least for most of their career. But uh, it's a song called Sunny Side of the Street. It's just fantastic. I mean, seeing the carnival at Rome, I had the women, I had the booze. All I can remember now is little kids without no shoes. And a socialist uh, shame there. Uh, but this is yeah. like, you know, the gr- I was talking about the grubbiness of his lyrics, the uh, yeah. the filthiness. Here we go. So I saw that train and I got on it with a heart full of hate and a lust for vomit. <laughs> now I'm walking on the sunny side of the street. And that bit is the catchy chorus of the song. <laughs> I mean, the, the verses are fucking catchy as well to be fair stepped over bodies in bombay tried to make it to the usa ended up in nepal up on the roof with nothing at all <laughs> i don't know if he just like it was like i just toss off that line there fill it in like i don't know where the roof comes into it and i knew that day i was gonna stay right where i am on the sunny side of the, the street and then in the final verse he says whore again <laughs> what is with this guy? He loves it. Real, real uh, whorephobic shit. Like, as my mother's mother wept, it was then I swore to take my life as I would a whore. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking before, but the last, the final couplet is pretty Shane. I know I'm better than before. I will not be reconstructed. And I would, I would say that Shane McGowan is a pretty unreconstructed kind of guy. He, he is who he is, and that's yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Sayonara, pretty good song. Uh, 
Summer in Siam, I think, uh, not a good song. <laughs> it's, um, oh man, I feel, I feel like I should be doing, um, doing this album more justice. There's, there's a bonus track on the 2005 reissue called The Bastard Landlord. <laughs> which is written by their banjo player Jem Finer. Uh, I I um, I'll put a clip of that in here because I've not heard it, but I would like to. My Lord, won't you tell me I'm sure I don't know who makes the plans that change our lives? So replacing the country, so please don't come. Moved up to London as the bounce went around And I stood by the river where the rabbit was cheap The land already told us it's yours to keep For a regular payment, week after week You've always a roof under which you can sleep The years that passed by the war came to We lived out our lives, did nothing so fun When a land of its conditions, nearly they grew With the size of its gut and his hells of values He'd kneel on a Sunday and pray to the Lord For a deal was of low, his wealth can't afford When the bastard he came round to raise up the rent We swallowed our pride and we smiled our best Bricks and mortar, a kin and a stone When you go, you're all alone They'll curve your name where you lie And I, for one, no tears will fly And yeah, there's even a couple of Shane McGowan originals that didn't make the cut on that album that are uh, included as bonus tracks, as well as uh, a cover of one of the great Irish folk songs, which, how had they not covered this before? Whiskey in the Jar. Oh, yes. Oh, my daddy. It's, it's a great song, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I mean, I think the Thin Lizzy version is pretty hard to beat, but... Um, there's a nice, yeah. nice uh, kind of sloppy rehearsal version on the Grateful Dead's So Many Roads box set from right towards the end of their career. And then they have a, this little jam. Like, they're like, oh, we've never played that before. And you just played it right there. Oh, it's a great song, isn't it? And I, I think Whiskey in the Jar uh, is probably a kind of song that... Um, that really inspired um, Shane McGowan uh, and his sure, lyrical approach. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's another kind of like picaresque song. The narrator is on a journey, uh, and it's just it's just uh, great lines here. 
you know, as I was going over the Cork and Kerry Mountains, I saw Captain Farrell and his money he was counting. I first produced my pistol and then produced my rapier. I said, stand and deliver, or the devil he may take you. <laughs> yes. I took all his money, and it was a pretty penny. I took all of his money, yeah, I brought it home to Molly. A classic uh, Irish name, Molly. Like, I'm thinking of, uh, in Dublin, fair city, where the girls are so pretty, I first set my eyes on sweet Molly Malone. Da -da 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 -da. Cockles yes. and muscles, oh, lie, lie, oh. Um, she swore that she loved me. No, she would never leave me. Uh, no, never she would leave me. Sorry, this is from centuries ago. I think this song but the devil take that woman. Yeah, for you know she tricked me easy. Oh, that's classic. Like, the woman done betrayed me. <laughs> it's great stuff. Like, ah. Oh. Uh, being drunk and weary, I went to Molly's chamber, taking Molly with me, but I never knew the danger. For about six or maybe seven, yeah, in walked Captain Farrell. I jumped in, fired my pistols, and I shot him with both barrels. Terrific. <laughs> Now some men like a fishing, but some men like the fowling. Some men like to hear, to hear the cannonball roaring. Me, I like sleeping, especially in my Molly's chamber. But here I am in prison. Here I am with a ball and chain, yeah. <laughs> that yeah is great stuff. <laughs> oh, I think you know what? This might be the Thin Lizzy version. Maybe they changed it. This is the Metallica version. See, I don't know if there's like subtle lyrical differences. Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, they're all pretty similar. Um, but the Dubliners version, uh, <laughs> which I'm reading now, is probably a bit more... Uh, faithful than the Metallica version. What? Oh, that's so annoying. I shouldn't have just searched Whiskey in the Jar lyrics. I assumed it would come up with like the default one. But, um. What the fuck? This is. I guess, uh. Oh, right. Maybe maybe Metallica are playing the version that Thin Lizzy wrote. I mean, this one has some, some good lines in it as well. Uh. Like, I went up to my chamber, all four to take a slumber. I dreamt of gold and jewels, and for sure t'was no wonder. But Jenny drew me charges, and she filled them up with water. They sent for Captain Farrell to be ready for the slaughter. Um, yeah, oh, here we go. T'was early in the morning, just before I rose to travel. Up comes a band of footmen, and likewise Captain Farrell. I first produced me pistol, for she stole away me rapier. I couldn't shoot the water, so a prisoner was taken. Like, I think that's a good line. I couldn't shoot the water, so a prisoner was taken. Yeah. Uh, oh, they really uh, toned down the Irish content in this. If anyone can aid me, tis my brother in the army. If I can find his station in Cork or in Killarney. And if he'll go with me, we'll go roving through Kilkenny. And I'm sure he'll treat me better for my own sporting Jenny. <laughs> this ends on a fantastic note of, like, misogynist bitterness. <laughs> uh, just, you know, folk music is... Uh, it's just interesting going in it and you're just like, oh, it's one of those songs. Ah. But, I mean, that one's got it all. It's got romantic betrayal, murder, great Irish place names. Now... Then there was a decisive break in the Pogue's career, which was they'd been having some problems with the bands. Um, oh, yeah. 
which was basically that Shane McGowan was not only drinking heavily, but was also regularly doing large amounts of LSD before yes, going on that's... stage with the Pogues. <laughs> I do not see a problem. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when you do LSD, for, forgive me for for uh, assuming this. But generally, you're not fronting a raucous Celtic rock band uh, to <laughs> large audiences around the world and having to remember many lyrics that are often quite wordy. Uh, that is quite an assumption on your part, Jack. Um, <laughs> oh but... shit, do you have an idea? Oh, sick, man. I'd love to hear your rebel songs. Um, no, I, that, that, that is true. I, I would hate to even do the podcast on yeah. a large amount of LSD. That would be pretty difficult. <laughs> Shane McGowan didn't even turn up to the opening dates of their 1988 <laughs> tour of America. And by 1990, Hell's Ditch, which was the album we were talking about, which had Sunny Side of the Street on it. Mm. Um he prevented the band from promoting it. Like I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what the uh, of any specific reasons for that. Um, just searching right. Shane, Shane McGowan acid to see if there's any uh, <laughs> stories or whatever. Yeah, which I, uh... I'm pretty sure there are actually. But yeah, basically things came to a head and the band sacked Shane. Um, they, <laughs> to be fair, they replaced him pretty swiftly with Joe Strummer, legendary frontman of The Clash, which, um, cool, if, if you ask me, like, that's that's cool, and they uh, and they collaborated with him before on Straight to Hell, but uh, it didn't work out. There is a live album you can get. It doesn't really sound like a kind of... I was thinking, oh, this would be a really cool kind mm. of, like, synthesis of their two sounds, but when they play Clash songs, they just kind of sound like a rock band playing them like it's not all like banjo and tin whistle going crazy over lost in a supermarket or whatever and joe strummer you know he does his best on the pogue songs but he's not really right for them right Uh, he's very english sounding um uh yeah but but if you can find the live album you know maybe worth a listen if you're if you're a pogues fan Is it too freezing out there? I, I know you've been outside freezing your asses off. But it's a lot warmer out than our back, so let's get into it and get some movement with our support from Grace with God. According to Shane, among the reasons for the band breaking up uh, was disagreement concerning the political orientation of the songs, with the band not wanting to sing two obvious pro-Republican songs. Though some of their previous songs were politically engaged, for example, Streams of Whiskey, uh, although to be fair, Streams of Whiskey, partially about poet and IRA member Brendan Bahan, largely about whiskey. 
<laughs> soon, <laughs> soon after the breakup, Shane McGowan recorded a song titled Paddy Public Enemy Number One as a tribute to the Republican leader Dominic McGlinchey, a former leader of the INLA killed a few years before. Uh, we'll get to that. It wasn't actually that soon after the breakup. Shane's solo career um, <laughs> took a little bit of time to get uh, get off the ground really however regarding the Pogue's reasons for breaking up yeah basically like so whilst Shane had his um, principled political reasons for elite uh, for well being sacked <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said uh, it, it, there's this Guardian interview with him from 2001 um, the interviewer says, at one point I said something about his attraction to drink and drugs and he was suddenly beadily alert. What? I'm a drinker. I drink. But drugs, he said, I don't take drugs. <laughs> and they're like, what? Never. And he says, so long, as, uh, so long ago I can't remember. And, and the, the writer writes, he should read Victoria's book then, because it's full of drugs. Uppers and downers and acid and cocaine. He once said that by the time the Pogues ended in 1991, he was taking 50 tabs of acid a day. <laughs> His quote here is, you get used to it. You can function yes. on it. <laughs> you, you can function do. on it. That's not what his fucking bandmate said. <laughs> Although, like... It I cannot imagine what his tolerance must have been like. Yeah, what the fuck? 50 tabs a day. Oh, here's another Jesus. thing. The subsequent paragraph. You know uh, Sinead O'Connor? Well, apparently in 1999, she grassed him up to the police for doing smack. <laughs> <laughs> she told the son that she went round his flat and found him practically in a coma on the floor and called the police because I love Shane and it makes me angry to see him destroy himself. He said he was sitting peacefully on the sofa watching a <laughs> Sam Peckinpah video. <laughs> it's just like, like he's got the wild bunch or something on. Like, <laughs> like yeah, this is great. Remember, it's what I want to do to the Brits. Well, I don't know why he talks like Keith Richards in, in my. Uh... <laughs> uh, he doesn't really speak in a particularly Irish accent, though. If you've if you've heard him speak. Yes, because he's lived in London for most of his life, and mm. probably his complete lack of teeth means that he doesn't have such a kind of discernible accent. But um, yeah, he sounds a little bit Cockney, actually. There is a good documentary about Shane on YouTube. Um, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but it gives some fascinating insights into him. It's called The Great Hunger for Life and Songs of Shane McGowan. Um and it's uh, it, it it kind of looks into uh, you know his his background and his uh, yeah his interest in poetry and literature from a young age and uh, his drinking. Now this is something from his Wikipedia page about his drinking. Here we go. It's in the extensive substance abuse section on his Wikipedia page. Um, so basically, it says in in this article. The, and this is from Victoria Mary Clark's book, A Drink with Shane McGowan, which is probably quite a good read. I think that was the book referenced in that Guardian interview. Apparently, McGowan began drinking at age five 
when his family gave him Guinness to help him sleep, and his father frequently took him to the local pub while he drank with his friends. An early bloomer, then. (laughs) However, in 2016, Shane's longtime partner, Victoria Mary Clark, who obviously wrote that book, revealed to the press that he was sober for the first time in years. Now, what happened was that in 2015, McGowan had a fall, uh, a very bad fall, possibly, you know, who knows, alcohol-related, but he shattered his pelvis, and he's been disabled ever since. He's, he's been uh, in a wheelchair for, I guess, four years now. now. And she attributes... Now, this was 2016. I don't know if he's kept this up. Uh, in fact, I saw a recent picture of Shane where it looked like he had a drink of booze in his hand. But um, apparently he, he basically detoxed in hospital and... Uh, found that he didn't need the booze anymore when he went back because he, he also came down with pneumonia as well as his uh, hip injury. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently uh, very serious. Like, and He is very frail these days, Shane. Um, apparently, I mean, he's getting better and in more of a fit state to walk um, of late, from what I've heard. Um, there was an article in the Irish Sun uh, which said that he's well into the rehabilitation process now and he's found a guy um, to help him with his physio who who he really likes. It said that he was listening to some proper shit music with this guy, uh, Shane McGowan, uh, physio. <laughs> some proper wank, like, uh, I can't even remember. Uh, yeah, look, yeah, he's standing up in the picture doing uh, his exercises. <laughs> it doesn't say when the picture of him drinking in this article is from, actually. Well, apparently they put on Spotify, Shane is apparently a huge fan of Post Malone, the, like, shitty, like, white rap singer, kind of. I don't even know how to describe him. He did a track with Kanye once. The guy says his song Rockstar came on through my playlist during one of our first sessions and he couldn't stop laughing at some of the lyrics. And now he loves the rest of his music. So we usually throw him on as loud as we can and Shane does his best work. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) Post Malone and physiotherapy helping him through this difficult time. The guy turned 60 recently. Crazy. Hello. Wow, yeah. Um, he even apparently got a new set of teeth. Uh, <laughs> there was a do- there's a documentary made out of it because apparently by 2008, he had lost every single one of his teeth. Uh, and <laughs> if you're a singer... <laughs> it's yeah. um, gonna have its effect however uh, he has now got an entirely new set of teeth he'll be appearing live at the fierce liverpool 2019 i don't know what that is some kind of festival right so you know how i said <laughs> that a version of the folk song leaving of liverpool was to my knowledge the last studio recording by shane mcgowan well Apparently he contributed lyrically to another song subsequently to that the following year. So in 2014, (laughs) the How to Train Your Dragon 2 soundtrack came out. (laughs) And Shane McGowan is credited as a lyricist for the song For the Dancing and the Dreaming. I'm sure we can include a little clip of it there to see what the latest uh, Shane McGowan type music sounds like.
savage sea with ne'er a female drowning and gladly ride the waves of life if you would marry me no scorching sun nor freezing cold will well, stop beyond my journey sorry if you will promise me your heart and love and love me for eternity my dearest one my darling dear your mighty words astound me but I've no need of mighty deeds when I feel your arms around me. I would bring you rings of gold. I'd even sing you poetry. And I would keep you from all harm if you would stay beside me. I have no use for rings of gold. I cannot buy your poetry. I only want your hand to hold. I only want you near. But it's performed by Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, who's like, is he a talk show host or something? I'm... <laughs> and Mary Jane Wells. So, there you go. Shane uh, wrote something as recently as five years ago. And and actually, you can find guest performances <laughs> on studio records um, throughout the 2000s. Uh, it's, they sort of dry up in um, 2010, but there, there's even a, a couple after that, I think. I'm almost out of uh, Pogue's Shane McGowan information here really but we haven't discussed his solo albums with the popes yet let's wrap up on the popes the popes yeah the popes yeah really he really scratched his brain as to uh what to call the new band like we need something that really jumps out at you you know (laughs) (laughs) something nobody would ever associate with the mcgowan brand or i guess there was probably his thinking that oh something that sounds a bit like the pokes probably would make people think oh it's shane mcgowan um they released an album in 1994 that i don't know if i've heard called the snake now, of course, Johnny Depp is one of the biggest, like, rock and roll star fuckers around. Like, he loves to just kind of, like, suck up to people he thought was cool when he was a teenager. For Take, for example, Hunter S. Thompson or um, his band that he's formed with um, Joe Perry from Aerosmith and Alice Cooper. Well, Johnny Depp appears on Shane McGowan's debut solo album and it features a load of songs i don't know if i've actually heard this one because sadly shane's solo work has not really got the credit it deserves or well i couldn't really tell you if this one deserves any credit because like i don't think i've been able to find it um (laughs) it includes uh haunted uh, a 
duet with Sinead O'Connor, which was an old Pogue song originally sung by Kate O'Riordan on the Sid and Nancy soundtrack, so another connection to Alex Cox, the film director, whose book, incidentally, I cited quite a lot in our Clint episode. Oh, yeah. There's a song on here called That Woman's Got Me Drinking. It's very Shane. Uh, oh, God, Ashleen is a great song, actually. That's just a, a beautiful, beautiful song. I don't know. A Mexican funeral in Paris sounds good. Great title. I couldn't really tell you much about the other songs, to be honest. Um, but it features, as well as Johnny Depp, members of the Dubliners, Thin Lizzy, and the Pogues. Now, seeing as this is a dedicated Pogues episode, the those members of the Pogues were Spider Stacy on Tin Whistle and Gem Finer on the banjo. So, pretty key Pogues there. Pretty pretty major Pogue members. But, like I said, I can't tell you much about that record. Let's move right on to The Crock of Gold. Again, it's a kind of, it's like a beautiful and dirty turn of phrase. A crock of gold. <laughs> Lovely. Um, I recall this album having a lot more of a kind of rock aesthetic than the Pogue stuff. Like, you more electric guitars. Um, so on. Uh, right. Now, there's an excellent song on there called Paddy Public Enemy Number One. See, I was worried for a second that I only remembered one song uh, on here. Actually, I remember a couple of songs very clearly, uh, and one of them is not as problematic as the other. At least to me. Now, I can see how some people who do not agree with my views on the Irish liberation struggle might find the lyrics to Paddy Public Enemy Number One a little... Um, Hard-hitting, shall we say? <laughs> mm. <laughs> the chasing girls was easy, and the drinking beer... B- bean? Drinking bean? <laughs> Maybe beer. Uh, drinking beer was fun, and he went out one day and bought himself a gun. This line is, I think, fantastically plain-spoken. He shot a couple of coppers, and he joined the IRA, and the papers called him Paddy Public Enemy Number One. <laughs> That choice for girls was easy and drinking beer was fun. But he went out one day and bought himself a gun. He shot a couple of covers and he joined the IRA. And the papers called him Paddy Public Enemy Number One. The covers in the uh, see, I'm just getting really carried away with this now, but I love Irish rebel music, as Yair knows full well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. tell, tell, tell me, listeners, about that time I went up to yours. <laughs> you you mean the time that uh, my housemate was dreaming about the IRA because we were uh, up all night singing IRA yeah. songs? Yeah. yeah, his room was directly above uh, the big sofa that me and Tom had like half of each, and uh, so I was just showing Tom all the rebel classics like throughout way into the small hours. Um, you know, Tom like probably woke up for about 20 seconds of uh, several of them combined but <laughs> you know <laughs> I was having a great time um, anyway the coppers in the north Shane continues they couldn't catch him 
The British Army, they just couldn't touch him. He shot a couple of coppers and he joined the IRA. Yeah, and the papers called him Paddy Public Enemy Number One. Um, one day the knock came at the door, they hauled him away. The IRA, they kicked him out when he was still in jail. Um, I'm trying to think who the Pogues Wikipedia page said this song was about. Dominic McGlinchey, who was an Irish Republican who moved from the Provisional IRA to become head of the Irish National Liberation Army, INLA, an Irish Republican paramilitary group. Although active in attacks on British security forces, McGlinchley's indiscriminate ruthlessness <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> led to him being the first Republican extradited from Ireland. An internecine conflict centred around McGlinchey and a rebellious faction he had attempted to impose his authority on greatly weakened the INLA and he was shot dead in a revenge attack in 1994. Uh, so this is whose story Shane is telling us about. The IRA, they kicked him out, so that certainly uh, matches up with uh, McGlinchey's uh, life. And when he got out of jail, he shouted up the IRA, and the papers called him Paddy Public Enemy Number One. The coppers in the north, they couldn't catch him. The British Army, they just couldn't touch him. Um, the factions all were fighting their deadly power game. He said fuck them all and left the INLA. Wherever there was trouble, there was Paddy and his gun, and the papers called him Paddy Public Enemy Number One. It's a proper, like, outlaw song, isn't it? <laughs> One day he tired of it all and hung away his gun, but when he hung away his gun, he became the hunted one. He went into a phone box to make a local call. They shot him in the phone box, splashing blood up on the wall. But when he hung away his gun, he became the hunted one, and that was the end of Paddy Public Enemy Number One. So I think, if anything, the message of that song is uh, don't be a melt and stop your participation in the violent Irish liberation struggle. <laughs> Just don't, don't give up the violence, guys. It'll only end badly. <laughs> yes, valuable lesson. <laughs> so the next song is... Uh, I would say a kind of sequel to Transmetropolitan in that it's got this feel of like this this just mad cunt on the town, really drunk as hell, looking for like Brits and other assorted cunts <laughs> yeah. to murder, basically. <laughs> it's, a, it's a violent revenge fantasy. That's all I'll say. And then um, as for last song, I think uh, I should suggest that Shane had lost a little bit of the uh, the poeticism that there, uh, well, that the poetry of his lyrics had, had subsided somewhat, and they're a lot more plain-spoken at this point, um, whereas before he could combine beauty and squalor so effortlessly, I think by this point. Some of the songs get to be a bit more of a kind of rant, although, you know, he did want to make more explicitly political music. But anyway, how's this for an explicitly political song? Called Back in the County Hell. Uh, and it's got a kind of traditional bluesy kind of feel to it. Um, I'm so glad to be back in the county hell. I just flew in and my arms, they feel like hell. Rhyming hell with hell. I'm so glad to be back in the town county hell. I missed the smack. I missed the crack. I'm Nelson Mandela's smack and crack <laughs> party pack. <laughs> I missed the smack. I missed the crack. I missed the killings too. 
Wow, he really, this man loves everything about Ireland, <laughs> apart from the Brits being there. Um, I miss the London Irish girls, but especially miss you. Wait, what is, the, uh, hang on, let me look up, what is the county hell? Is the county hell like the, the Irish, oh, the Pogues have got a song called Boys from the County Hell. Um, I wonder if it means like a part of London where there's loads of Irish people. You'll see why I mean, you know, it's talking about the London Irish girls. Um, and you'll see what I mean, because he starts talking about the kind of person who you'd expect to find in Britain, basically. Well, anyway, he says, I miss the London Irish girls, but especially missed you. The USA never fails to make me blue. All right, here we go. Here we get into problematic territory. Um, put me in charge, I'd execute the artistic queers. Mm. What? Why? Why? And yeah. all the f the next line is amusingly petty though. And all the fucking bastards that drink trendy Irish beers. <laughs> <laughs> My death squads would be kids from flats, all high from sniffing glue, and I'd use them to kill the rich Brits. And all right, so this line it is widely transcribed as something still problematic, by the way but as a line that does not appear on the record. So every transcript of the lyrics to this song I've seen uh, says, classic Shane, really. It's his favourite word again. I'd use them to kill rich Brits and the journalistic whores. Now, as much as I endorse anti-journalist sentiments, it, it, it feels a bit, you know, oh, here we go again. He's banging on about quote-unquote whores. <laughs> However, that would be the case were that actually the lyric in the song. The version of the song, which was on this album, which I purchased from Amazon in, I would say, 2016, so presumably the currently available edition of the album, he sings, I'd use them to kill rich Brits and the Hasidic Jews. Oh, yes, that line. Again, why? Yeah, <laughs> and and what and why Hasidim specifically? It, it is kind of bizarre. Weirdly, <laughs> weirdly specific anti-Semitism. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> so, I don't know if it's like Big Shane, you know, the Shane lobby have tried to like airbrush this from history by just putting in another like um, line in which he says his favourite word. But actually, <laughs> he says a weirdly specifically anti-Semitic thing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Odd. Uh, uh, decisions. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the rest of the lyrics are pretty funny. Uh, the park bench aristocrats are drinking in the park, and the junkies are still sneaking in for a fix-up after dark, and Jock laid out on his park bench, so talking about our mate, I presume, like it was his home settee, singing like a fallen angel, me and Bobby McGee. And then at the end of the song, they burst into the chorus of Chris Chris Offerson's Me and Bobby McGee, uh, which I don't mind. It's a nice interpolation of a great song. Um, but yeah, he continues, when I've done my patriotic chore and burnt London to the ground, I don't think he sings patriotic chore. Uh, I'll add in a little overdub if he sings something else really offensive there. Um, he says, when I've done my patriotic chore and burnt London to the ground, I'll go back home to Nenna and get pissed every night in town. 
like the old folks say, you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> yeah, and then basically another round of the chorus, and then he rips off me and Bobby McGee. So, I mean, that is um, probably, like, those are the two most notable songs, I'd say, on the second Shane McGowan and the Pope's album, Crock of Gold. There's a couple more songs. There's one called uh, More Pricks Than Kicks. Uh, if you were around, we could go on the town instead of just going on the booze. If you'd stay in my life, we'd kick up the high life, country Irish like we'd used to, and we'd drink, and we'd dance, and we'd dance, and we'd drink, and we'd drink, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, but it's more pricks than kicks. That's what it is. I'm a scumbag. I'm a lout. That's the way things are. If you name me a street, then I'll name you a bar. <laughs> oh my god, that's a classic lyric that I've literally just discovered. If you name me a street, I'll name you a bar, and I'll walk right through hell just to buy you a jar. If you were around, we could go on to town instead of just going to booze. If you'd stayed in my life, we'd kick up the high life, country Irish like we used to do. And we'd drink and we'd dance and we'd dance and we'd drink and we'd drink and we'd dance and we'd dance and we'd drink. So let my command, you take my hand and we'd dance to try and dance. But there's more prison cakes. That's what it is, I'm a scumbag at top, it's the way that things are If you name me a steak, then I'd name you a bar And walk right through hell just to buy a jar If you name me a steak, then I'd name you a bar And walk right through hell just to buy a Fucking hell man, that's fantastic, just like the romance of it The beauty and squalor I'm just going through uh, very quickly to see if there's anything more Uh... What the fuck? There's a song called Truck Driving Man, where I guess Shane is like taking the piss out of rednecks. But he says, got some bear on my trail. I pull over, I think of jail. I said my name is Forrest Gump, then I blew his arm off with my 12 gauge pump. I blew his guts out through his back, heard his spine make a sickening crack. He's still wriggling, he ain't dead, put the gun to his mouth blew off his head. Oh, and he uses the N-word in the next verse. <laughs> there's a lynching. Oh, he says there's a lynching on Highway 9. Three redacted. Uh. Messing with white man's kind. Step on the gas. I'm just in time to see them swinging while a cold wind whines. Fuck! I Fucking guess he's... Hell. Do you think the Stormfront commentators heard that one? <laughs> they heard that one and were like, yeah... I don't think those are his own views. I think it's more just... Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying he should be using the N-word. No. But it's just, it's just again, like, you're not going to get Shane McGowan not to say words. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, th those... Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, 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 wow. Wow, okay, uh, oh god, there's some very sexually violent lyrics on, uh, Silid Cowboy. Maybe I shouldn't even say that, because, uh, 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 because I, there'll be a lot of, like, mispronounced Irish place names in this episode. Mmm. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, Shane McGowan, Crock of Gold, all right album. Um, <laughs> let's wrap up with a little look on the Shane McGowan Stormfront thread. <laughs> Are you down? <laughs> you down yeah. for a little? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, so it starts with, with some dipshit who... Let's just, like, reiterate how sad all these bastards are. This guy Ugh. has posted 1,213 times on Stormfront. SMC says, I was listening to an old Pogues tape in the car this morning, and this line made me sit up and take note. Sounds pretty <laughs> WN to me anyway. Uh, it's it's uh, This land was always ours, the proud land of our fathers. It belongs to us and them, not to any of the others. He says, A great racially aware lyricist and a magnificent example of Aryan manhood to boot. <laughs> this, like, shadow of a man. Who has a great like, example of Aryan manhood. This, this like, incredibly giftist lyricist who hasn't been able to write an album for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, what a magnificent example of manhood. Really, you know, <laughs> firing on all cylinders as, as a man right now. Um, <laughs> as much as I like the Pogues, says Jimb69, who has posted 2,317 times on Stormfront. As much as I like the Pogues... I couldn't help but notice in a few of their songs references to Jews in here and their inf- <laughs> and their spelt as in belonging to them in favour of the Jews. <laughs> in, one, in one song, the person who was quote unquote slagging the Jews was done in the negative. <laughs> That would be the sick bed of Cullen, you know, and you decked some fucking black shirt who was cursing yeah. the Yids. And another, while speaking of important persons, they remember, use Jews with names like Cohen. <laughs> it's like, they could be uh, shouting out Nick Cohen's pro-Iraq war piece. No. <laughs> and I- I'm still trying to figure out the intention of the song that used some character called Rainbow Man. <laughs> Just imagine being a Nazi and hearing the word rainbow. Uh, John John Joy Tree, <laughs> a friend of Stormfront, sustaining wow. member, whatever that means, who has posted fifty two thousand six hundred and seventy nine times on Stormfront. Fucking hell! McGowan is too drunk to be anything serious, but I'd say he was an Irish nationalist. No, no way. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this is great. The next one is some guy called Irish J. A mere 5,705 <laughs> posts for this lad. If I should fall from grace with God when our doctor can relieve me. Good song. He says, Shane Mack isn't a WN, but he does make some damn good music. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm doing uh, Irish J as like some <laughs> shitty in showbiz guy. Every year on Christmas Day, I have a few. It's just, well, it just gets me. I find it so funny how on this, like, Nazi forum, how fucking, um, how normy this post is. Every year on Christmas Day, I have a few traditions. One of them is playing the fairy tale of New York, the duet with the late melodic Kirsty, M- the late melodic Kirsty McCall. Here are the lyrics to that cynical Christmas song. And then he just posts all the lyrics to Fairy Tale of New York and concludes, God God bless the Irish, A." Eh? And then there's uh, two little uh, emojis toasting 
beer. <laughs> now, INS, uh, hopefully not Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang Clan, the rebel INS. I can't see why he would be. But INS says, McGowan is far more than a drunk. True, he drinks a lot. And yes, he is an Irish nationalist, but not a white nationalist. I have had the good fortune to meet the man once. A lot of his portrayal in the media fits the Irish stereotype that they wish to portray. Yeah, fucking stereotypes. God. <laughs> just just going on Stormfront. Like, man, I just hate these people doing ethnic stereotypes. <laughs> right. The British media, in particular, conveniently forget the fact that he was born in England. If he did not drink so much, he would be portrayed as an Englishman by them. There is a certain fascination amongst the media in Britain to claim anybody who generates some form of success as one of their own. McGowan, spelt his name wrong, may play to stereotypes. Uh, sorry, that was so liberal of me just like correcting some Nazi on their spelling mistake. <laughs> I apologize. But who in the music industry does not? But he has his head firmly on his shoulder and will never be short of a bob or two. And then Cormac, a forum member whose avatar is Enoch Powell with a Union Jack behind him, says, Uncanny how everything is the fault of the Brits. <laughs> 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 so there's, there's already uh, divisions. The whites uh, are fighting. Dun, yeah, dun, exactly. Dun. Divisions are, are widening on uh, storm Stormfront here. <laughs> um, then you have Balrog, who weighs in. A mere 1,500 posts. Doesn't he sing that one about kicked a star, 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 starring black shirt? Again, like, calling for, for, like, genocide of ethnic minorities, fine. Using the F word, please, not on this forum. <laughs> it's still great music, though, he clarifies. Knight Lohengrin, a mere 204 posts to his name, says, The Pogues rule! Until the Irish finally come out with a decent white power band instead of that sick, sad joke known as Celtic Dawn. <laughs> I love that. that sick, sad joke. I'll content myself to listen to bands like the Pogues, Horselips and that petrol emotion. By the way, speaking of Jews, boy's going to start well. <laughs> The Clancy Brothers and Tommy Macken once recorded a song about Jews in Ireland, which I think is pretty damned hilarious. I'll have to post the lyrics to it one of these days. Sorry, one of these soon days. <laughs> uh, War Maiden, who is merely a guest on the forum, uh, quote tweets that saying, Until the Irish finally come out with a decent white power band instead of that sick sad joke known as Celtic Dawn, which is quite funny. It's how me and Tom talk about our political opponents, like, sad. <laughs> um, did you know any of the guys in CD, War Maiden weighs in? Because if you did, would you, you would be sitting there insulting them. <laughs> they recorded that CD when they were very young. We had Reds attack every single pub Celtic Dawn ever played in. <laughs> That's pretty sick, I think. Like, kudos to the Reds. 
they were they were ripped off by RE. I don't know who RE is. Maybe like a white nationalist Irish n- label, and ended up having to record the rest of the CD in their flat. So please back off with the insults. They fought hard for their beliefs, and that's all that counts. And those of us who've seen them play enjoyed them, and they were received when they played with Screwdriver. <laughs> we all know a lot of well-known bands who sing the 14 words. Sing, yes, lots of well-known bands sing the 14 words. Sing about their wives and children, yet shag any groupie in any country they play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All good white nationalist bands should be incels. <laughs> Sorry, or, or volcels, whichever. Volcels are the one who's, ones who are just like... Uh, sex is left wing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's what they should be doing. Sorry. Anyway, yes. we all know a lot of bands that shag any groupie in any country they play. So let's judge people on their actions, not on a CD they did as kids. Now, Knight Lohengrin comes back all guns blazing. Effectively, this is in a post which he is in fact given a title, which is Celtic Dawn thumbs down he says well first of all i have no idea what you mean about them getting ripped off by the re you'll have to explain that one to me the ci cd i've got is on the viking records label it's just like <laughs> Nazi nerds, viking records frankly they should have known better than to put out substandard material like that since they chose to do so I would be very reluctant to buy anything else they put out in the future. You hear that, Viking Records, you've lost a customer. This thread is in 2003, by the way, so it's all, you know, I'm sure this is all in the past. I'm sure that um, War Maiden and Knight Lohengrin have patched things up by now. Uh, Knight Lohengrin, by the way, has um, set his location to USSA. <laughs> right so he continues apparently you knew these guys and you say they're good guys fine i'll take your word for it but that's not the issue the point is if people can't play and they've got nothing original to say you know what why do you want them saying anything original you just want them fucking doing the 14 words don't you (laughs) (laughs) how original are they gonna get like you know, the, oh wow, these guys have really got some uh, some solid national socialist theory <laughs> in, the, in their Nazi punk tunes. Um, then they shouldn't put out CDs for public consumption. It's as simple as that. They could be the greatest guys in the world, but that doesn't make them suck <laughs> any less as musicians. <laughs> I ordered the CD because I read an interview they did with Final Conflict magazine. And the guy made them out to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, as an Irish-American, I was anxious to hear their stuff. Man, what a disappointment! He says in all caps, followed by two emojis. The sound quality was god-awful. All you could hear was the vocals and the guitar buzzing in the background and a little bit of drums now and then. No bass whatsoever, and none of the guys could really play. The lead singer sounded like a drunken Long John Silver. I mean, to be fair, isn't yeah. that kind of uh, what Shane McGowan has cultivated? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this guy was a Pogues fan. Anyway, 
Several years ago, I learned two chords on an acoustic guitar and started making tapes of my songs, which I gave to friends. How are you making multiple songs with just two chords? Like the Ramones had three. (laughs) (laughs) Even that stuff sounds better than most of what I heard on that CD. Let's just be honest here. You can't tell me with a straight face that the stuff they put out is up to the same standards as bands like Day of the Sword and Intimidation One. <laughs> Maybe they played some screwdriver covers in pubs over there and the people were satisfied with that. But when you get ready to put out a CD for the whole world to hear, you had better be good! <laughs> Three exclamation marks. Otherwise, you just end up being an embarrassment. Which is what these guys are, in my opinion. The thread continues. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything good on page two. Uh, Bubba Zanetti, 668 posts. Gotta love the Pogues and the Dubliners. I was listening to them today. Is there a CD of them together? I only have a few MP3s that absolutely kick ass. Up the Pogues and the Dubliners. Then, yeah, there are just people basically discussing whether the Pogues and the Dubliners have um, collaborated. And then SMC, who actually has a Pogues Avi um, of the (laughs) the Peace and Love album, album cover, um, located, by the way, in a place that it's, it's absolutely shocking to hear a racist comes from. Sydney, Australia. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He quote tweets, uh, or rather quotes, John John Joy Tree, saying, McGowan is too drunk to be anything serious, but I'd say he was an Irish nationalist. And and, uh, SMC clarifies, being an alcoholic is not mutually exclusive with being a deep thinker slash philosopher and patriot slash nationalist. Sometimes it helps. I don't know about that. I'm not sure that it was the alcoholism that was actually, you know... I mean, I guess it... He quotes streams of whiskey here. And yeah, I guess Shane's alcoholism probably did inspire the songs that are explicitly about drinking alcohol. But on the other hand, you know, I think he probably would have been a good writer. Whatever he took. We're getting towards the end of the thread, but there's a couple more... Oh, right, some guy really gets into uh, the stuff that we just talked about. Um, So firstly, some sad bastard with 4,337 Stormfront posts called (laughs) Nectonsmere says, Thousands of Sailing was an excellent song, as as was Young Ned of the Hill, which dealt with Cromwell, who was akin to Satan. Cromwell, for those who do not know, massacred both Scottish Prebestrians, (coughs) my kin, and Irish Catholics, just... So that I mean that's pretty bad stuff, isn't it? I'm sure you and I can agree that it was very bad that Cromwell massacred uh, Scottish uh, Presbyterians and Irish Catholics. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get this. And just to secure his place in hell. Now are you ready for something even worse than the than the ethnic massacres? Dun dun dun. He let the Jews back into Britain in exchange for gold. Ah, oh, God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> that is actually the thing. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm pro Oliver Cromwell for his murdering <laughs> the Irish stance. Certainly, his, uh, <laughs> executing the king stance very good. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it actually, like, no, it, he did actually uh, let a significant amount of Jews back into Britain. I reject the. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I, I reject the assertion that it was in return for gold, but he, he there was actually much greater religious freedom under Cromwell, although generally if you were a Christian, he did prefer it if you were a very, 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 very hardline Puritan. <laughs> <laughs> As the song says, thousands are sailing, Oliver Cromwell, may you burn in hell tonight. And Nectansmere, no doubt, smashed out of his Nazi skull. Excellent drinking music, he, he, he continues. Now, we're getting right to the end of the thread. A real heavy hitter. From, oh, no, he's not a real heavy hitter. His, his Avi is some Nazi thing. But um, he's called Vinland Werewolf. Sorry, uh, he spelt werewolf wrong. He's Vinland Werewolf. So, <laughs> Vinland Werewolf Classic. says... I'm surprised no one has mentioned Shane McGowan and the Popes. I only have one of their CDs, The Crock of Gold, and it is excellent if you take away one Irish-tinged dub reggae track, that is. What was that all about? <laughs> now, I'm sure <laughs> that Vinland Werewolf dislikes the reggae track <laughs> for a particular reason to do with the racial group that um, created reggae. However, <laughs> I have heard this album... And that is quite a bad song. Anyway, <laughs> the musicianship is first rate. Very reminiscent of the early poets. Lots of fiddles, accordions, whistles, and Tom McAnimal. <laughs> it's a stellar banjo player. I'm unfamiliar with the Pogues' pro-Jew songs that Jim69 mentioned. It's a bit weird because like these were some of the classics from like the classic era Pogues. But if these were recorded after Shane left the band, they weren't. They might have been in reaction to him. They weren't, since Jews don't fare too well on Shane's Crock of Gold album. They don't. Take, for instance, this stanza from Back in the County Hell. It's the one about killing rich Brits and Hasidic Jews. Um, he says the CD booklet says journalistic whores in place of Hasidic Jews, but the latter is what he actually says in the song. It's really too bad his songs have to have the, have to have the occasional anti-British line, even if they are rich Brits. It definitely mars the album. Mm, <laughs> kind of like the foundation of all his political beliefs. So, mm, I know I'm just nitpicking with a Nazi forum post here, but come on. Uh, and he doesn't just hate rich Brits as well. He hates Brits in general. Um, on Skipping Rhymes, he sings, We put the hood around his head, then we shot the bastard dead. Knick-knack, paddy-whack, give the dog a bone. Send the stupid bastards home. The nation's gonna rise again. The nation's gonna rise again. That's so clearly Irish nationalist, isn't it? Like, that's just, like, de describing, like, an IRA execution. Yeah. Like, the nation's going to rise again. Like, that almost brings back... There's a, there, there's a very famous rebel song called A Nation Once Again. A nation once again. A mm. nation once again. An island long a province be. A nation once again. So I think it's an allusion to what is like one of the textbook rebel sentiments. Uh, however, the forum poster is not sure who Shane is referring to immigrants or loyalists. I would hope the former. Well, you're shit out of luck, mate. And then he cites the country and western sounding truck driving man, which has that stanza about a lynch in. But I think really that song is just Shane being <laughs> nasty about people in the south of the United States. Mm. 
and I think the fact that it the song has a country musical aesthetic suggests that he's taking the piss. Um, anyway, this nerd continues. <laughs> Unfortun- unfortunately, this song also has references to drug use. <gasps> Even though many truck drivers probably do use them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and a few other songs have pro-drug references as well. What, from Shane McGowan? No way. But even if Shane does have his problems, he's at least somewhat racially aware. Definitely an Irish nationalist, if nothing else. It's just not the same as being, like, on the far <laughs> right. Like, supporting a, a, you know, a liberation struggle in a colonised country. is <laughs> not being a racist. But um, you, you can't expect Nazis to understand subtlety or anything. No. Um... <laughs> And a fine musician as well, despite some of its lyrical content, I recommend this album for all Shane-era Pogues fans. And I would probably do the same, although the content I'd say that despite is the stuff that this guy thinks is good. (laughs) Um, Wow, okay, here we go. Final post in the thread from Harley, Texas, a small timer with only 68 Stormfront posts. Even if some of Shane's lyrics are suspect, and the Pogues ones too, I'd go to see them play. You will get a great time, and a lot of white people who just want to drink and dance. There we go. A a solid recommendation if you want some white people who just want to drink and dance. Anyway, I I, I briefly mentioned earlier in the show, I I saw the Pogues in, I think, 2008 at the festival. I didn't know any of their songs, apart from um, thinking that the broad majestic Shannon was Fairy Tale of New York when they started playing it, and then being like, are the lyrics different, or can I just not understand this guy's fucked, toothless voice? (laughs) Shane was singing very badly. His arm was in a sling. Perhaps one of his drunken falls. Uh, and the Pogues are unfortunately no longer active as a touring band. So, I think that brings us to a close. I s- did scout uh, Soul Seek for late period Shane McGowan studio recordings, including three tracks he did with his band The Popes on their last album, uh, Largely Without Him. Haven't listened to any of them, so that is pretty much that was all the research I did, and I didn't properly do it. So I think we're pretty much done. Have you got anything to say to conclude, Yaya? Before I, um, no, I think we've hit the tracks pretty well. Oh, here's an interesting thing. Do you know what Pogue Mahoney means? I do not. It means kiss my ass. Okay. In Irish, I guess. Yeah, yeah, in in, uh, in Irish Gaelic. See, I don't know which part of "kiss my ass" Pogue would specifically mean. Like, it'd be quite funny if it was uh, if, if if he went from being in a band called the Nips to a band called Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Probably means kiss or whatever. But but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Or, I don't know. Does it mean the asses? Who who? who That's pretty funny if it means the asses. Anyway, the pre-Pogues years section on Wikipedia is good because. Um, oh yeah. Apparently, Shane McGowan met Spider Stacy in the toilets at a Ramones gig in 1977. (laughs) Um, And uh, McGowan was with the Nips at the time, formerly the Nipple Erectors. (laughs) However, uh, in an early example of his politics, um, 
McGowan then went on to form a band with Stacy called the New Republicans. So there you go. <laughs> Pogues always steeped in the Irish liberation struggle for the the whole time they were around. Yeah. Also, I've noticed a kind of Pogues influence showing up in uh, some late period Bruce Springsteen stuff, particularly on the very political and I think very good Wrecking Ball album. So, you know, <laughs> that's just kind of cool, I think. I think that is it. Anyway, I think, yeah. I think we're done. I would have to say, guys, check out um, the first three Pogues albums, possibly Shane's solo album if you want more, and there's some good stuff on Hell's Ditch as well. Check out that documentary about Shane McGowan on YouTube because you get an insight into him as a writer, which, as this episode will have showed you, is what I'm primarily interested in. Um... And check out some Pogues live clips on YouTube as well, because they really uh, were an exciting live band in their day. Uh, you can see the disintegration of Shane's voice in real time, year to year. Um, uh, I think there is even some stuff from the early 90s on there, which is shocking, but quite entertaining accordingly. Um, and mm. that live album they did with Joe Strummer is a nice curio as well. So... Um, yeah, like, I think that's pretty much it for Real Politic and the Pogues. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay, apparently they did a cover of Maggie Mae by Rod Stewart. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that song. I love Rod's early stuff. I so don't like, think I know it. Wake up, Maggie, I think I got something to say to you. Mm. You know? It's late September and I really should be back at school <laughs> I know I keep you amused But I feel I'm being used Oh Maggie, I couldn't have tried anymore You know? You let me away from home Just to save from being alone You stole my
it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 